Welcome to the Mile High Church Podcast. I want to let you know that this year's Thanksgiving service will premiere Thanksgiving morning at 10 a.m. Take a sacred break alone or with loved ones to give thanks and celebrate life's many blessings. Learn more at milehighchurch.org. And now, Letting Kindness Win with Michelle Madrano. We are blessed. And before I get into my message today, I want to, uh, to share something that is born out of all of those qualities, light, love, kindness, and that is that um, we had been working to move towards having more people be with us here in our services. And as the COVID numbers are going higher and higher in Colorado and all over the nation and the world for that matter, we just felt like the most loving, kind thing to do was to step it back. And so we do not have any guests with us and we've made a tough decision uh, to not have guests with us live in our sanctuary for any of our services for the remainder of November. That's really hard for us. It's hard because we miss you all so terribly and we love you all so deeply. But at the same time, I think that these times are calling all of us to let go of any uh, selfishness in this regard and make the loving and the kind choice. And so for us, our love for you is so big and broad and powerful that we want to keep you safe. And so we're going to ask you to remain watching from home, tune in for the wonderful upliftment of our services, and stay with us because we've got some great services coming up in the near future, and we've got some great holiday services, and so uh, we're continuing with the great Mile High Momentum. So we're so appreciative that you continue to tune in and participate. So today... I am talking about kindness. If you don't know it already, my topic is letting kindness win. And this was born out of uh, the previous months as I've watched especially the, the, the cycle of election go on and, and watch things happen online and in the media and, and watched friends and family members and, and, and people disconnect out of uh, that sense of, of not agreeing with each other, and even with other issues that are going on in our world, uh, so many that we could mention. I'm sure you all know what they are, but I don't know about you. I just started to witness that our, our kindness was beginning to falter. Our ability just to simply be kind with people was beginning to fall away, and I was feeling a little discouraged about it a few times. I would watch conversations happen and think, I, I'm so surprised that people can't be kinder. And then I would watch specific conversations from people I knew personally with other people I knew personally and would be shocked and amazed and think, I thought they were a lot kinder than that. And look what they just said online to that person. And so I realized that I needed to take a deep dive into kindness myself. I needed to do some practices that would get me back in touch with the loving kindness that truly exists in the world. Because the reality that I began to discover, even born out of that negative feeling, was that there is a lot more kindness going on than unkindness, no matter what may have been happening for the last few months. And I began to witness it and began to call it forth and began to see it, began to remember it. Stories of kindness on this planet abound. Stories of kindness, of human kindness towards other humans abound. In fact, there are websites dedicated to it, collections of stories. And so I began to go and read and see recent stories of, of things happening that involve situations like Jennifer just sang about in her song, where kids stood up for other kids and, and people are doing very kind things for people. I began to see in my own neighborhood um, 
the, the apps that are dedicated to the neighborhood, the next door app, where people were reaching out and saying if, if other neighbors needed help, if they needed groceries, if they needed their, their walk shoveled in the snow, please just say something and someone will come and help. I began to witness those things. I began to reflect upon the, the challenges that have, have flowed through our life lately, through uh, the community of the close friends that I hang out with and losses and grief that have occurred and began to remember how many people during that tough time just reached out and sent their love and kindness and offered to do such kind, sweet things to support us and the immediate family members of those that we lost. And so kindness just abounds. But it, it had to be seen and witnessed. I loved the, the movement that occurred a number of years ago that encouraged people to do random acts of kindness. And indeed, it continues very strongly right now. Many of the stories that I read were about people standing in line and purchasing other people's groceries randomly and buying people Starbucks and paying bills for them and so many acts of kindness. His Holiness the Dalai Lama says to us, my religion is kindness. And as I hearken back to these different experiences I was having in exploring kindness, I realized that I would align with that if I were to choose a religion that I think out of every religion and spiritual teaching, out of the best that humanity has to offer, at the core, at the foundation, is a willingness to be kind. Because no matter what you believe in the political world, in the religious world, about the choices you want to make in your life and the things you want to do, none of it will get any of us very far if we aren't willing to be kind as we move forward in our individual life and in our collective life together. Kindness is a powerful, powerful experience. And when times get tough, it becomes a quality that we have to choose and re-choose. It becomes a, a, a lens that we have to look through our life at and look at ourself at. And so today, I really want to explore that. Every time I put together a message, I have a, a goal in mind, an intention in mind, if you will, a, a river of intention that runs underneath everything I want to say so that I test what I want to say back to that intention. I don't always share that intention as I do my messages and have the opportunity to speak, but I'm going to today because my overt intention today, as you might have, have assessed already, is to invite us into a deeper walk with loving kindness, to consider the ways that we can be inspired by kindness, that we can embrace and embody kindness, and that we can live and act and speak from a kinder place in all of our relationships with ourself and others and in the conditions of life that we face together. That's the goal. That's the intention. And so I'm reminded that at the end of our service every week on Sunday mornings, we sing that beautiful peace song, let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. Today, I would say let there be kindness on earth and let it begin with me. In fact, you could say that with just about any quality that we want to embrace and embody because it begins with us. Each one of us taking a deeper walk with this quality of being and this way of living, and then it has a ripple effect. It has a ripple effect that moves out into our world. Now, as I consider this, I imagine objections that we might have. 
Because there are certain conditions in which we might protest and say it's difficult to be kind. But I've come to learn as I've grown and evolved over the years that kindness is a, a powerful topic. In, in fact, some people might say, no, kindness is weak. When you're doing a business deal, when you're having to deal with your children, when you're having to, to have a debate with someone, you can't have kindness come in. You gotta stay strong, you gotta be aggressive, you gotta be, you gotta be pushy, you gotta force. And I would say, no, I, I don't necessarily think so. And I'd like to challenge us to consider the possibility that, that in those places where we might think that kindness is a weakness, we can still be kind and say no. We can still be kind and have a boundary. We can still be kind and, and support people such as children or adults that we work with or that we supervise to face the consequences of a choice that they may have made. We can still offer those consequences with kindness. We can uh, still be kind and help to end injustice and inequality on this planet. We can still be kind and completely disagree with another person. We can still be kind and end a, a condition in life, an agreement we have with someone or a relationship and, and walk away and say, this no longer works for me. I think the challenge in this regard is that we just haven't been taught that we can do those things and be kind. And so we fall into an automatic sense of, of aggressiveness or force when we have to make those tougher decisions. Sure, it's easy to be kind with people that we love and adore. We can muster it up. We can make it happen. Even when we're not feeling so generous, we can manage to put on kindness. But what about the people we just don't agree with, that we think are wrong with the choices that they are making or the way they're moving forward? How do I be kind and consider them? And I'm suggesting that we can and that it serves us and it serves our planet and it serves the ripple effect that we hope will occur in life, in our spiritual life and in our connection to everything and everyone if we will begin to consider the hows of living a kinder life even in those conditions, in those circumstances. That we can always walk forward in powerful kindness. Unkindness is exhausting, it's frustrating, it's disconnecting. Whether it's me being unkind to myself or being unkind to another or witnessing a lot of my perception of unkindness. And I think it's exhausting and de-energizing because it's just not the truth of who we are. The spiritual truth of us at the core of who we are is the absolute loving kindness that God is as us. And upon awakening that and remembering that and living that out, we become energized. There is an awakening for healing and wholeness that can begin to happen. And our life can take a trajectory forward that is profound and powerful. I saw a meme the other day that I want to share, just happened upon it synchronistically that said, you will never look into the eyes of someone God does not love. Always be kind. That's the bigness of the divine. 
For God so loves the world that it includes everything and everyone. That is loving kindness. And when we practice that kind of loving kindness, we are duplicating the nature of God. And we gain access to that divine presence that lives in us and as us and moves us forward. So how do we go about doing that? Recently, I was blessed to have a conversation with one of our practitioners named Peg Coates. And she introduced me to a book. I told her I was getting ready to do a message on kindness. And she introduced me to a really wonderful book on kindness. It's called The Power of Kindness. And the subtitle is The Unexpected Benefits of Leading a Compassionate Life. And it's by an Italian therapist named Piero Ferrucci. I just like saying his name. That's kind of fun. Piero Ferrucci. But he also is a very wise man. Besides having a beautiful name, he is a wise man. And so I began to really read this book and consume this book over the the number of weeks that I've been working on this message. And I want to bring a few of his points into our exploration of kindness and letting kindness win today. Some key points that I think he really speaks to powerfully and, and some how-tos that uh, I, I've assessed for myself out of reading this book. So the first one that uh, Piero brings to us that I really resonated with, and there are lots of them in this book, no time today to bring them all for sure, but I'm bringing the highlight ones for me. He says, not harming is the highest law. Not harming is the highest law. Now, that is a phrase that is the foundation of the nonviolent movement that Mahatma Gandhi began to, to lead and speak about to his followers. In the Sanskrit language, this phrase is ahimsa paramo dharma. Not harming is the highest law. And so Gandhi said that in nonviolence is the basis of any relationship, including political ones. So a person who seeks to be kind lives from that place of seeking to do nonviolence, to live from a place of nonviolence. Nonviolence in action, in word and deed. Another way that we might say this, that is in the, the word, in the law in English, is living in harmlessness. Being someone who is harmless, who seeks always to be harmless in every interaction. And some of us take it to the nth degree for sure. I know that as I have gotten more loving and kind, something I used to be so afraid of, which was uh, spiders, insects of certain kinds, I can't harm them anymore. I'm now one of those people who sees a spider and talks to the spider and helps the spider to uh, get out of our house or to find a more uh, suitable environment for his or her thriving. I'm so fortunate that I have a wonderful husband who is much the same way. And so we usher a lot of spiders out of our home. And this reminded me of when I was at the Parliament of the World's Religions many years ago. I've been to a number of them and I got to spend time with a number of people who practice the beautiful tradition of Jainism. And the Jains believe so much in harmlessness that they, you might see them wearing these little face coverings because they don't even want to breathe in a gnat to cause its harm or to cause it to pass away. They take it to the extreme, but that really inspired me. And that is part of what got me thinking about that. I don't necessarily want to wear one of those, those face shields, but I kind of am right now during COVID. Uh, so I'm practicing Jainism in my own way. But... I also recognize that 
that inspired me, that my little kind heart seeks to be harmless and that some of the, the most painful moments in my life have been when I've done harm accidentally or made a choice that caused harm. It just is heartbreaking for me. And I invite us to think about that because I suspect that most of us have in our hearts too a strong desire to never do harm. And yet where we get caught up and where we lose touch with that desire can come when we see something we disagree with or someone we disagree with and we feel this this emboldened need to speak out and set them straight, sometimes on social media or in our personal conversations with people, how we treat our children. And so it's important that we understand that this notion of harmlessness is a choice that we can make that can cause us to experience loving kindness. Think about harmlessness to ourselves. Part of being kind is asking ourselves, am I doing things that harm myself? Do I have habits, ways of being? Do I think about myself in a way that is harmful? And maybe I don't overtly say horrible things to people, but am I somebody who looks at someone and thinks a thought of judgment? That's violence, my friends. Those thoughts are violent thoughts. And we must realize that if we are a teaching that says that our thoughts are made manifest and our thoughts have an impact, We don't get a pass on a violent thought to ourselves or towards another person. Harmlessness includes being willing to be harmless to myself in thought, word, and deed. It is a spiritual high imperative. It's not just a a polite or moral imperative. It is a spiritual imperative. In fact, the most profound thing that Piero Ferrucci says in his book is in this section, I think, on harmlessness. He says, very simply, it is difficult or impossible to gain access to higher levels of consciousness if we are continuously bitter and critical, if our mind is polluted by judgment and negativity. That speaks volumes to me. It kind of reminds me of that book that was out many years ago and was so popular. It was entitled, You Can't Afford the Luxury of a Negative Thought. And for me, It's an invitation to say that when I choose harmlessness in every way, when I choose nonviolence, I am choosing to gain access to higher levels of consciousness, which is something so many of us say we want. We want this. We crave this. We crave God. We crave connection. We crave peace and harmony and wholeness. Harmlessness, nonviolence, is a doorway that by walking through in every way, catching ourselves when that temptation is present helps us to raise our consciousness and feel that connection. The next thing that that Piero challenges us to do is to live in the present. Live in the present. And this whole section is talking about the best way to do this is to be willing to give up our, our resentments and to practice the sacred art of forgiveness. I call it a sacred art because I think it's very telling that just about every faith tradition in the world teaches its adherents forgiveness, talks about forgiveness. Every sacred text, every guru and teacher, every, every spiritual leader will tell human beings and shout out to human beings, we must learn to forgive. 
And forgiveness is a great thing to talk about and there's all sorts of beautiful, wise words about it. It's sometimes not so easy to practice. When I think about my own life and the most challenging forgiveness I ever had, it, it came uh, with my parents. Actually, specifically at a time with my father. My parents had a very rocky marriage full of lots of fighting and arguing. There were some good times for sure, but there were also violent times. And, and it seemed clear to me, even as a little one, that my mom and dad really didn't seem to get along very well. And so finally, at the age of 14, they got divorced. When I was 14, they were together for 14 years. They got divorced. And I thought this was a great thing. Unlike a lot, some kids... I was happy. I was content. I was like, finally, these two people are getting apart from each other. And I had this very um, clear expectation that I would now get wonderful quality time with my mother and wonderful quality time with my father. And that didn't work out so well, actually, because my, my mother had to go to work. I was living predominantly with my mother and my siblings, my brother and sister. And my mother needed to make money, which she'd never really had to, to do as voraciously as she had to do now. And, and my parents got married when they were teenagers because I came along. And so both of my parents also, having had 14 years of raising three children and now being free, they were very interested in dating. And they were very interested in kind of reliving the years they didn't get to live this from having children. And so they both were dating a lot and my father was to pay child support. And what began to happen with my father that, that broke down my expectation is that he was uh, supposed to take us on weekends and he would either be late or he would not show up just for whatever reason, he was out having fun and partying, and then he began to not pay his child support, and, and that really hurt me because my mother was working so hard, and even I was working hard to put money into our family so that we could eat. We were very challenged economically in those times, and my father not paying the child support, well, it just broke my heart, and I felt abandoned, and I was angry. I was so angry with him. And so every time he came around, when he did, I made sure he knew. I was one of those obnoxious teenagers. And that was not really who I am at the core, but I was so angry and so resentful and so frustrated that I couldn't see past it. I just had to treat him badly as a way to punish him. And some people might say that was inappropriate or appropriate, whatever you might think. But what I began to notice, unfortunately, was that that resentment began to bleed out into every relationship. I began to treat my siblings kind of badly and meanly at times. Even my mother badly and meanly. I began to fight with my mother, which I'd hardly ever done in my life. And I began to have challenges with my friends and my life just started kind of crumbling and falling apart. And then when I was 15 years old, I walked into Mile High Church. And I began to hear talks about forgiveness. And I began to contemplate, hmm, maybe I should consider that. Because I realized that no matter how surly I was, it didn't seem to keep my father from continuing to have his fun and live the life he wanted to live. I began to notice that my surliness was really only harming me. And it was appearing to tear apart my life. And it was, it was impacting all of my relationships. And so through the work here at Mile High Church, the talks that I heard, I put my name in the ministry of prayer week after week, requesting prayers for, for the ability to forgive my father. I went to a practitioner 
uh, when I was a teenager and began to work on this. And eventually, after a lot of personal work, I was able to free myself of that resentment. I was able to begin to, to feel myself letting it go. Piero says about this, we cannot be kind while we carry the weight of our resentments, nor while we remain too rigid to ask forgiveness, nor if our emotions are colored by guilt or vindictiveness. We can be kind only if the past no longer dominates us. So I had to let it go. And then as I let it go, a softness and a sense of compassion began to emerge in my relationship with my father. And just like my resentment had, that compassion began to have its way and soften all of my relationships. And things got better. Joseph Jobur, the French moralist, says, kindness consists in loving people more than they deserve. And that's what I had to do. The last point I want to highlight from this book is that uh, Piero says, I belong, therefore I am. I notice that when people feel like they don't belong someplace, that resentment and anger and frustration begins to cause them to be unkind. And that sense of not feeling as though we belong triggers what I call the belong wound. We all have had times, like the stories in Jennifer's song, where maybe people overtly tried to tell us we weren't good enough or we didn't belong in that group or with those friends or in that community or in that church or whatever it might be. And so we have these belong wounds. And the minute we smell or sense that we don't belong, we, we get kind of frustrated and we might find ourselves feeling a little bit uh, on edge and then beginning to tell ourselves stories well they don't love me I don't belong and th that dance is part of the human dance of relationships but the deeper truth about each one of us is that we do belong to the human race we belong to each other when I uh, became a minister, I noticed in my community in, in Arizona especially that when I would go out in public, a lot of times people seemed to recognize me and know who I was. I'd run into congregants a lot of places and that began to cause me to question my behavior everywhere I went. It, was I behaving in the right way? Was I, was I being good, if you will, and, and being kind and, and being an example of what I say I want to be and I was on edge, mostly for their sake, but eventually Eventually, it began to shift because I realized I want to behave that way everywhere I go. And the same is true here in Denver. As uh, my friends and family will tell you, we often go someplace and I run into someone in my community from Mile High Church, someone who I recognize or they recognize me. Or it might, and so I began, and still do to this day, to treat everyone I come in contact with as though they're a member of my Mile High family as though I belong to them and they belong to me. This unnerves people sometimes, I will admit. My son doesn't like it. He feels embarrassed by it and says to me all the time, why do you have to talk to everyone, mom? Uh, sometimes people are a bit unnerved and even offended by my friendliness and my willingness just to strike, a, strike up a conversation with everyone. But I feel that my sense of belonging causes me to be kind to everyone. My assumption that whoever I'm encountering is a part of my tribe because we are part of the tribe of humanity causes me to be kind no matter what. It's important. So some ways to live this out. Let me close with some ways that I believe that we can live these ideas out. 
Surround ourselves with kind people and notice and pay attention to their kind hearts. One of the kindest people I know is Reverend Josh Reeves. He is so sweet, so kind. He inspires me all the time to continue to find kindness in my heart when I am challenged by that, as are all of our ministers, our staff, our volunteers, the people who are in this room right now. We are a kind-hearted community, and I'm so proud of that. Be present to people. Sometimes when people are going through difficult things or we want to be kind but we don't know how, people will say, well, I don't know what to say to them. I think we underestimate the power of our pure presence. I can tell you with the challenges of grief and loss that I've been through recently, the most powerful moments to me were people just said, how you doing? Are you okay? I'm sending you love. And yes, even the sending thoughts and prayers touched my heart made me feel seen, and made me feel as though I wasn't walking through this alone. I didn't need advice. I think people think that a kind thing to do when people are struggling is give them advice. But I'm here to say no. The kind thing to do is just be present. Stop giving so much advice and watch relationships flourish. Tend to our thoughts. Pay attention. Are we thinking kind thoughts? Are we spending time in anger? or disparaging thoughts about others? Are we grumbling? Are we wishing misery on others or enjoying their afflictions? Recognize that this only hurts us. Our physical bodies react from those types of thoughts. In the book, Piero cites numerous studies, and they're all over the internet, about how those kinds of thoughts do not help our body temple in any way. Speak to others, write to others, or about others, or treat others as though they are part of our tribe, the human tribe that we share together. Choose to be kind every day to others. Kindness is a choice. And I suggest keeping a kindness journal or making a document on our phone or our iPad or some sort of a notebook. And when we're feeling discouraged, go back to that kindness journal. Record in it moments where we've chosen to be kind to others. Yeah, maybe we don't go bragging and saying, well, I did a really kind thing to Bridget right there. Hi, Bridget. I did a really kind thing to her yesterday. Let me tell you what I did. But I might know it, and I might want to keep track of it. Keep track of kind things people do for you, or keep track of kindness that you hear about or read about. And lastly, if you feel discouraged, read or research stories about kindness. Find ways to be kind. And don't forget random acts of kindness. Those those acts of kindness literally send off chemistry in our brain and heart that support us. And remember, when we witness people who can't be kind, whether to us or other people, take a deep breath and let's try to remember that they may have a broken heart They may have just lost someone they love. They may have some condition or circumstance that we don't know anything about that is causing them to feel challenged to be their kind-hearted self. And let's extend to the best of our ability compassion and love. In her diary, Anne Frank wrote, in the long run, the sharpest weapon of all is a kind and gentle spirit. Let's yield that weapon. Please join me for prayer. We breathe in. And I'd like to include in our prayer this day
a beautiful Franciscan benediction. These words remind me of a deep truth. May God bless you with discomfort at easy answers, half-truths, and superficial relationships so that you may dive deep within your heart. May God bless you with anger at injustice, oppression, and exploitation of people so that you may work for justice, freedom, and peace. May God bless you with tears to shed for those who suffer pain, rejection, hunger, or war so that you may reach out your hand to comfort them and turn their pain into joy. And may God bless you with enough foolishness to believe that you can make a difference in the world so that you can do what others claim cannot be done to bring injustice and kindness to all our children and the poor. And so with these beautiful words, this benediction, we allow ourselves to sink into that kind-heartedness that we know God is, recognizing that these conditions and situations that may elicit moments where we are challenged to be kind are simply, as this benediction says, an opportunity to dig deeper, to allow our loving heart to shine forth. And so in this place where I know we are all connected, I declare and accept and affirm that kindness goes forth in us, with us, and as us. In the words we speak, in the choices we make, in the perceptions we have, in the ways we treat others and the ways we treat ourselves, Kindness wins this week in each one of our lives. And that we set about conscious practices and activities that bring that forth and bring that to the forefront of our living today and every day. We choose to be kind. We choose to be love. We choose to be God in action. I'm so grateful that this is so. This is who and what we are. And I release this prayer and let it be. And so it is. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Mile High Church Podcast. This podcast is made possible by the generous contributions from listeners like you. If you'd like to make a donation, please visit us at milehighchurch.org. Have a fabulous day.